This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and irrelevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Jane. Hi, welcome, Jane. How are you? Good. How are you? It's so nice to meet you. So great to meet you, too. Um, so why don't you take us back to the beginning in your relationship with, with alcohol? Like where did it all start for you? So for me, when I kind of look back on it, I think, uh, my relationship with alcohol really didn't stand a fighting chance right from the beginning because I was, uh, I was using it as a coping mechanism right from, from day one, you know, I had a typical, um, first uh experiences with it as a as a young um kid you know trying a kalua and milk a brown cow or a fuzzy navel at a christmas party or something but um i think uh as i got older the first few times uh when i was a teenager i would overconsume, and um you know looking back the first time i to the point where you know my parents had gone away my two older brothers were having a party and i had alcohol poisoning and they were debating whether or not they were going to call um the ambulance or not because they didn't want to get in trouble but uh looking back on it you know i had blacked out and those first encounters were really bad they weren't you know they were few and far between but they were they were not great my childhood was uh it was chaotic and both my parents worked 12 hour shifts um, my mom was a nurse and my dad uh in my teenage years was an industrial nurse and uh you know they uh they lived to work and family life was really really not a priority and i look back and think you know i don't blame them now because i know that they only had the tools that they had that they were given um to raise us but uh, my goal as a teenager was sort of you know focus on my friends and you know avoid family life and you know let's get out of here as fast as we can sort of thing so um fast forward to college i had a great time like i left home when i was 18. i went to college and i had a great great time met some wonderful friends um i loved the independence of it and uh my drinking s- slowed down a little bit like it was actually it didn't slow down it just wasn't as dramatic as what as it was when i was a teenager it was more going to pubs and social gatherings we'd have friends over for dinner and it was just it was a different pace i guess you could say and i i enjoyed traveling we i went out to the east coast for a co-op uh to new brunswick and then out to the west coast to i worked in whistler but drinking was always sort of at the forefront of every, everything i did you know it was every uh group of friends i had that was that was the focal point and uh and some instances were worse than others but you know we worked in hospitality and we we worked hard and we played hard 
and uh, and then uh, through the years, I came home for a little bit, really wasn't happy. Nothing had really changed. So I decided, okay, I need to, I need to get, I need to focus on my career. So I, I got a job with an Australian wine company, which is probably the largest one as uh, this, their sales coordinator. And I had worked my way up through that company, taking sales positions, uh, working with sales and marketing and getting certifications. And then after my time there, I, I met my husband, funny enough, at a trade show. He was working in the beer industry. I was working in wine. And uh, and we decided to move out to where he um, had grown up. So. I, you know, my focus was my career. I continued down this path of wine. I think the wine industry sort of justified my consumption because it was glamorous and sophisticated or what I thought it was romanticized. And, you know, I was able to travel with the companies and go to wineries and travel to California. And as a young adult, that was wonderful. Like that was the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. Right. And it, it took its toll on me. And I, and I saw a lot, you know, it, it looks all wonderful and great on the outside, but the sales meetings and the pressure behind the industry was increasing. I later moved over to the biggest big alcohol company uh, and I started off on their wine team as a wine and reserve specialist and continue, you know, grinding to get every possible um, certification that I could. And it was uh, it, it was taxing because I was driving, you know, an hour, an hour and a half to to do these certifications and uh, and wine dinners and we would do distillery tours and uh, and then my um, then I found out I was like newly married. I found out I was pregnant and immediately I was able to stop and I focus on my pregnancy and I was like, well, that's interesting, you know, like I can do this. But the pressures, you know, after I had my daughter, um, the first month um, she was born, my husband had lost his job. So again, you know, newly married stresses of life, financial stresses, uh, me going back to work with my daughter being quite young. I, the, the anxiety was increasing, the pressure of life was building and uh, I was using wine as a coping mechanism. So it was, you know, for a long time, it had been my passion, sort of my obsession almost. And then it was it was taking a ne negative influence in my life. And I was I was finding it to be caught like it was the cause of my anxiety, but also the solution at the same time, this vicious cycle. I would wake up and I would say, like, I can't, you know, you can't drink that much. Or I would be at an event or a work function and I just didn't have that. I wasn't having that off switch and I, I would regret the next day and then I would go right back to do it again the, the very next day. And it was just this, this vicious cycle. I would, I started running as a means to, you know, maybe compensate some of those um, feel good uh, chemicals. And I started with a 5k, a 10k and over the years worked my way up to a half marathon but I remember coming home that night and drinking a bottle of wine and I can just imagine what it was doing to my body. So that's really 
you know, I sort of transitioned into spirits after wine and that became quite a problem. I think the higher alcohol content, uh, luckily I was on a team that was very supportive and, um, and, and they're still friends to this day, but it, it took its toll. Um, the spirits industry really, um, I, we, there was a transition with the company. Uh, the financial pressures were getting larger. Uh, I was consuming more and it was just really catching. I, I felt like I couldn't drive. The majority of my job was driving and, uh, you know, going to different accounts. And I was having, like, I was having full-on panic attacks. I talked to my doctor and his solution was um, AA and an antidepressant. And and so I was like, what is, like, this doesn't feel like a solution solution to me. Like, I, I can't not have alcohol in my life. Like, that is, I am captain of the alcohol drinking team. Like, this is not possible. I never thought in a million years that, that it would come down to that. I was, so I started looking into, looking into options and, you know, researching different things. And I um, had joined Hello Sunday Morning as an Australian kind of platform online. And just to like shift my, you know, my perception around things, just to maybe get a little bit of a break, but it was maybe short-lived and then I would go back and, for me, I would, you know, I would do the dry January, I would get healthy, I would lose some weight, and then I would slowly go back. And so eventually I did take uh, the antidepressant while, and while drinking to a high, like to, to my highest amount. And I was, I was, I was blacking out. I was, you know, still going through that cycle of, you know, I was in accounts eight times a day, um, s selling the product and representing these products, being surrounded by it at work and at home, um, in social uh, environments. Like I couldn't get away from it. It was everywhere. And that's when I realized like, so my two pregnancies and my maternity leaves were the only time I had a break. And, and I, and I love that time. Like it was the healthiest time of my life. And at that point, I knew that that's where I started my journey of sobriety, not sobriety, but like looking into what is going on here. Something needs to change. I can't live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. Wow. What, what a fascinating story. And especially seeing it from kind of the inside of it all. Was there, was there any, ever anything where you're like, huh? feels weird that this is causing problems in my life and this industry is so thriving or did that, I mean, I know that it could be. Yeah. Like, and I would see people and I would just think, oh, wow. Like that, you know, I would, you know, there was a lot of terrible things that happened um, with other people. And I would think, oh, you know, they should probably look into that. Like, on this side, but not realizing that, it, you know, maybe I needed to look in the mirror, right? But I, I tried to, my drinking was very private, like I would, tr I never wanted to be, I really tried to hold it together in those environments um, at work and socially, you know, not every single time, but I would either have drinks before I went out, 
or when I got home and I would have to like plan that all out, make sure that I wasn't, you know, too embarrassed because I'm very like sensitive and I didn't want to be embarrassed. I was, you know, my job was everything to my family because my husband at that point didn't have a job. So I was very career focused, but there were times, you know, and I, there were times when I look and I think there was a lot of, you know, breakups with uh, marriages. There was, you know, devastation with um, people having accidents at work, falling downstairs, you know, really terrible things. And we're promoted, like they would say things like, you know, drink responsibly, but you're having wine tastings at 12 in the afternoon and, um, you know, oh, but make sure you're there for dinner or cocktails and then dinner and then after dinner drinks and then we're going to go to this game and you're out until two in the morning, but you have to wake up and be at the meeting at eight o'clock. So the drink responsibly thing is just too much in the industry when it's everywhere and there really wasn't a choice. If you weren't drinking, you were either pregnant or you had a problem, really. Right. Wow. Wow. So you're coming to this realization and and then what happened? And then, so I started researching different, you know, Googling what, <laughs> what should I do? How many drinks is the norm? Uh, what's uh, healthy? What's not? I would look up YouTube videos and I was textbook. Like, you know, I had childhood trauma. I had, you know, growing up, I had low self-esteem. I used uh, alcohol is a coping mechanism. My life, my livelihood w- revolved around wine. I really felt like I was stuck. And, you know, I was, you know, financially, this was what was um, paying the bills. And, but I was learning and un- uncovering the real truth behind alcohol. And when I found your book, I was just like blown away. Like, I think I read it in a weekend. Like, it was just like unbelievable. And and then I was thinking, why didn't I find this sooner? Like I needed this. And then I right away did the 30 day um, alcohol experiment. I love that it was an experiment because I didn't want it to be a sentence or, you know, I wanted to explore and I wanted to see how I would feel. And I continued to do about six or seven alcohol experiments over the next couple of years. I then was preparing for a pretty uh, intense surgery. I had um, jaw joint replacement surgery. So I had to like, I wanted to get really healthy. And so I did the intensive program and um, Scott led that. And that was amazing. And I, you know, learned about spontaneous sobriety. And I was, I was sober for about four months. I had a slip around a data point at uh, Christmas time. And, but I got right back um, at it and I was good for my surgery. It was a nine and a half hour long surgery. And I, there was complications where they damaged my nerve. Um, So I had facial paralysis on the one side of my face, which during recovery was horrible. Like I didn't know what was, if it was going to come back. I, they gave me oxycodone and I was like, this could be a real problem, <laughs> like, you know, and um, within a couple of months, I tried to go back and have a glass of wine at dinner. And within a month, I was back to where I started. And I knew at that point that the alcohol had changed my brain. And I was, you know, as much as I wanted to find that 
moderation platform or, you know, cause that, that's where my goal was. I just wanted to be a normal drinker. I just wanted to be, um, I wanted to have a place in my life for alcohol still, like after reading all of the material and memoirs and information on it, I just couldn't, I still wasn't there yet until um, COVID hit and things got worse because then I was in, like I was isolated and I was, I changed from bottles of wine to boxes of wine so that nobody would notice. Um, when the wine was gone, I would switch to bourbon and it got really bad. And I, it wasn't until I found acceptance that this is my thing and I'm the only one who can change it. Like I was so tired of you know, going through this and I'm the one doing it. Like, I just couldn't believe that, you know, I'd wake up and I'd be a completely different person, but then this, you know, alcohol would change me completely. And I, I was just so tired of suffering. The thing that held me back was I, I did, I couldn't even imagine telling my friends and family, like I just couldn't. And it, but it was when I accepted it and made the firm decision that this is my thing and I have two choices and I can live a healthy life, be a good mother and live my, you know, to my fullest potential was really, really when the work started, but it took like, I think it probably took about five or six years to get to that point of just digging my heels in and fighting tooth and nail that I was not going to a let this be my thing. And I guess, um, I guess I had to go through all of that to get to this, to that point. And I was in a, a meeting, um, excuse me, my voice, um, I was in a meeting and I raised my hand and I said, I'm four days sober. And the person introduced me to someone, uh, Peggy Cooney, and she had wrote this side of alcohol, this book. And then Peggy introduced me to Susan and Susan Larkin is a this naked mind coach. And it wasn't until I connected all together and had support be, like with them that I was able to do the work, you know, weekly work with Susan. Um, I had <clears throat> made the decision and I said in our discovery call, I said, Susan, like I want this to be exciting. I want to be I want it to my mindset is different now like my mindset before was I don't want this to be my thing I'm going to resist it at every possible chance until I shifted my mindset is when the real magic started to happen and I saw a change and growth and I could see myself being alcohol free and the rewards started coming in and the benefits Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Susan is, is really incredible and such a good coach. So that's just, that's just so great. Yeah. So how was it shifting everything when you went at it with this new attitude? So I, the first two weeks were definitely the hardest, I think emotionally, uh, just everything. Like it was, it was just a, a big process. Uh, I was still not prepared to tell my friends and family at that point. I did tell my children and before that was one of the other things I never had told them. And I think having that, those cheerleaders in the background were really like, 
I held myself accountable to them because they were they were always my why. My kids, my husband, myself, my health. But when we started doing that weekly work where we could do the ACT technique and break down some of the things that were holding me back before, I think was really crucial. And um, digging into some, you know, deep rooted beliefs because I had, you know, the conditioning that I had around drinking and the, the consistency was was huge. So it's really going back to all that, um, you know, my emotions were super unregulated. Like I was, you know, any inconvenience, like I was in a, a, a rear end, or, like someone rear ended me and it was my daughter's birthday and I was hysterical. And I had a meeting with Susan that night and she was able to work me through it. And, you know, things like that, that I would immediately turn to alcohol with as soon as I got home and just like numb it, push it away. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, also, anger was another thing that um, Susan helped work through. You know, I would, I would drink at certain people in my life and, you know, she would be like, well, there's other ways to cope and like, let's look at some healthy, you know, so I, I took the dog for far too many walks in the first like couple months. And, and it, there were ups and downs and there were, but I think at that point, I had already done like most of the terrible, you know, I couldn't string together more than a couple days alcohol free. So at this point, it was like more of a journey. It was like, um, I found connection finally. I I was so determined and excited at this point that all of the wreckage was kind of in the in the background. I was looking forward and um and the last year, like the first year of sobriety was fantastic. I'm a year and two and a half months. So I'm fairly new, but Susan says that the the second year is even better. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Wow, that's so great. And what a cool, cool story. So how have you found it to be sort of socially and with with friendships and whatnot? So I I had to have some foundation and strength around my sobriety before I could tell anyone. When I hit a year, just around a year, I told my, well, actually, I told my mom around eight months. And um she was wonderful. Like she was very supportive. You know, we have had our challenges in the past, but she was amazing. And I talked to her all the time about it now. And then my friends were so supportive and they're like, why didn't you tell me? You should have told me like some were mad. They're like, I would have been able to help you. <clears throat> Others didn't understand um, and don't really say too much. Some don't. And others think I'm taking a break. Like they don't really get the true depth of like what I went through to get here, what I've done um, to to get to this point, how important it is to me, how sacred and protected I need my my sobriety to be. And I'm fine. Like I am so in such a better place than I was, you know, a year, year and a half ago because I can bring my, you know, my own drinks, my cranberry soda, my groovy, whatever it is. And I am grateful that this is my life. Like I, I don't have to deal with all of that thinking and planning and regrets. And, and I, that's the part I don't think anyone really can understand unless they've gone through it. 
and I have my Saturdays and Sundays and, you know, I can be the mom and person that I want to be like that. Those are things that I just don't, I don't think some can understand, but that's what really held me back at the beginning was telling friends and family because they, they just knew me as the wine girl. Like, you know, if we went to a restaurant, I got the wine list. Um, this was my identity. Like wine had become my identity and I really had to go back and peel back all, all those layers and sort of create like, who, who am I? Like, who is the authentic me and who, who do I really want to be um, in this life? Right. Yeah. That's really amazing. That's really great. Um, well, this has just been awesome. Uh, let me ask you the question I kind of finished these up with, which is, you know, at this, at this stage, if you were going to look back and talk to Jane about, you know, when she felt really stuck and like, maybe it wasn't, you know, things didn't feel possible or it felt really, really hard. What would you tell her about how things are now? I just, um, I, I 100% never, ever thought this was going to be possible for me. Like, I know I've, I've heard people say that, but I truly did not. I would have thought, you know, this isn't going to, you're not going to be able to do this. So I would just say, keep going and keep like connecting with people that have gone through this, you know, um, uh, just to know what's on the other side of it, to know, to know that there is a life and it's wonderful and beautiful and I get to live it is just beyond me. I, I guess to reach out, you know, to get support connection is huge um, to see people. Cause that's the one thing is I thought I was the only person. Like I, I really truly thought that the alcohol, you know, alcohol use disorder is such a spectrum. And I never thought that there could be like a, a middle ground or anything in between. Um, but to see so many people in like, the 30, 30 day alcohol experiment and in different groups that are just like me. And, you know, they um, are going through the exact same thing. Like so many of these stories, they're all different. Everybody's story, history, path is different, but at the core center of it, they're all sort of similar, you know? And so I would just say like, it's so worth it. And I would not give up anything. I would, I just keep like, thank God I was persistent and I persevered and I kept trying to, you know, I grinded and I think that's what makes it so, so wonderful. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. Like our stories are not dissimilar. I mean, they're so the same. And I think it's one of the most freeing people that freeing things that people experience as they kind of grow, you know, even in joining like communities or getting in Facebook groups or just, you know, listening to a podcast and hearing that there's so many other people in the same boat. It is, it's so freeing and normalizing to realize that we're just really not alone in this. Absolutely. Yeah. So great. Well, thank you so much, Jane. Thanks so much for coming on and telling your story. It was just a total pleasure and really great to get to know you. Yes. Thank you so much. I had such a nice time and so nice to meet you too. Yeah. So great. We are so excited to announce our newly recalibrated signature program, The Path Freedom Accelerated. 
This 90-day program is designed to make freedom from alcohol quicker, more accessible, and more affordable than ever before. Imagine if just 90 days from now you discover a new freedom without feeling like you're hanging on to willpower by your fingernails, without feeling deprived or like you're missing out, and without the shame, guilt, and blame. The Path Freedom Accelerated provides a guided, almost hypnotic sequence of content that speaks not only to your conscious mind, but also to your subconscious, actually changing your desire for a drink. Plus, you will receive daily accountability and support from our coaches and our community. If you feel like you have lost control of your drinking, there is a solution, one that's easier than you might think and doesn't involve rules, missing out, or deprivation. We would love for you to join us. Go to nakedmindpath.com to learn more. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.